Welcome back, everybody, and Happy New Year to the first episode of 2024 for the .NET on AWS show. I'm your host, Brandon Minnick. With me, as always, is the incredible Francois. Francois, Happy New Year. How was your week? Happy New Year, Brandon. Um, I wish you all the best uh, for 2024. I wish you all, all of you all the best for 2024. I think we will have a great year, um, a lot of .NET show. Um, so my, my week was recharging. I had the, the chance, the opportunity to, to take um, t- some time off with my family. And if you had the opportunity, I really encourage some time to, to take some time off to spend time with your uh, beloved ones and to recharge. Uh, so for me, it was really a, a recharging period. So that was really cool. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, same. I, I unplugged for two weeks. Um, my wife and I went to the Canary Islands. That's actually where I was for our last show. And first of all, I was just chatting before the show about how much I want to go back. <laughs> it's it's cold here in North, Northern California this time of year. I mean, we still get beautiful sunny days, so it's hard to complain. But gosh, just sunny, warm weather on the beach every day. It's tough to beat. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes you just like, why am I back? <laughs> right. It's like, well, I guess I could work anywhere, but someday it's <laughs> we we still got some bills to pay here, so we'll we'll enjoy our tough life in California. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and you know it's it's the same for me when when I travel. Um, I was I was in in the French Alps in the mountains, so not not on the beach, but on in the mountains, and I really enjoy this um, environment, quiet environment. You you are all all the the stress and and the trouble of a big city like Paris, and so that was recharging. Love it, love it. So, Francois, usually we kick off the show with some announcements. Uh, it's a brand new year. We, are, we just had reInvent, so everything's a little quiet at AWS, but what announcements do we have this week? Um, so, it hasn't, it hasn't been announced this week, but I, I want to highlight this because I think it has been lost in all the reInvent announcements. Uh, the .NET SDK team has released release the AWS message processing framework for .NET. So that's basically something we've released, they've released based on our customer feedbacks. Uh, talking to many uh, AWS customers using .NET on AWS and our um, uh, messaging services like um, uh, Amazon uh, SQS or Amazon SNS or even, uh, even Boost, uh, they've realized that many of our customers who don't want to go uh, into complex use case that requires a framework like um, uh, end service bus or mass transit, for example, uh, they have uh, simpler use case, uh, yet they don't want to use directly uh, the service API. And many of them uh, were building, I would say, lightweight messaging framework on top of our uh, uh, service API. So 
they were like, okay, if so many of our customers are doing this, maybe we can handle off this burden from them and just build a lightweight messaging framework for them. So that, that's what they've built for them. And so basically right now, if you want to use our messaging uh, uh, services, you can just create a good whole C-sharp object defining your, your message. This is my, my C-sharp of object that define my, um, my message. And then um, when you are uh, setting up your dependency injection, you will just um, configure that for this object you uh, you want to configure the um, connection with uh, SQS, for example. And then you can use a, a dependency injection to get an e-message publisher object. And you use this object and you just send, called a publish, sorry, publish method, passing your, your object to this method. And the framework handles everything for you. How to transform this C-sharp object into uh, SQS or event bus message, it will handle all this for you. So I really encourage you. So it's, it's in preview right now. And I really encourage you to, uh, give it a look and give it, uh, give us feedback on, on this, uh, to improve the experience. So uh, a small announcement, but I, I, I think it can remove a lot of burden from our customer. Love that. Yeah. I love it. You know, when. When you give the people what they want, right? Where it's, hey, we, we see a lot of developers essentially copy-pasting code across all their apps running on AWS. And what if we could just make their life easier? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. And using dependency injection, that's, that's one of the ways I can immediately tell that whoever created a library is actually a .NET developer and not necessarily, ah, oh, well... I'm a Python guy, and they asked me to port this to .NET um, because there's a lot of libraries where I'll jump into them. It's just like this this doesn't feel right. This isn't what I expected. This isn't how we we do things <laughs> in the .NET yep. world. Oh, that's great! Yeah. So it's called AWS .NET Messaging. I see that in the URL. Yes. Um, so the name is AWS Message Processing Framework, but like. As usual, we, we make over over complex naming. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah. You, you can just try and give feedback on, on the GitHub repository and um, uh, the service team will, will love to get your feedback on this. Love it. I'm excited. Let us know. Let us know, chat. There's so many amazing people here joining us today. Thank you so much. Uh, let us know if you've used it or if you have any questions about it. Uh, but Francois, we have such an amazing guest this week, yeah. and she has such and so many cool stories to share with us. So without further ado, I'd like to invite Kia Mani to the show. Kia. What? Kaya, I'm sorry. Kaya, thank you so much for joining us. Ah, thank you for having me. Can you hear me well? Yes. Coming Hi. in loud and clear. We... Thank you all for having me. And I'm happy that like, I'm, I'm honored to be on the first uh, .NET on AWS show of 2024. And That's right. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. I'm very, very happy to be here. So, Kaya, for folks, uh, folks who haven't met you before, who are you and what do you do? Oh, great question. So, my name is Kaya Imani. 
I am a senior developer advocate at Auth0 by day. And I move like as a startup founder and like serial entrepreneur. <laughs> um, and the startup that I founded already is called Feetrack. It is a retail operations platform for dispensaries, which Brennan, you live in California. <laughs> so that yeah. is like, you're not a stranger. I'm sure you walk up and down the streets and you see them all over the place. <laughs> but uh, I'm not sure like, what's what's the um, dispensary landscape like in your neck of the woods, Francois? Um, to be honest, I don't know. <laughs> okay, good answer. <laughs> but no, so I'm honest. I'm honest. I don't know. That, that, okay. That is, okay. Um, but yeah, so uh, we do retail operations. So that means uh, point of sale, inventory management. Uh, of course, this is a highly regulated industry. So all of the regulatory uh, thing, like tracking and tracing and whatnot, it track handles. Um, so that was my first startup. Um, and now I'm doing this cool thing. Um, through my day job, which I, I really, really am happy and grateful that they are uh, endorsing, is this 90-day MVP. So, like, one of the things that I love to do is just, like, build products. Um, I'm not one of those developers who, like, like spends my weekends just, like, reading documentation. I mean, I <laughs> wish I could be one of those. I really do. Did you do that? Am I supposed to do that? <laughs> do you do you write it? Do you do that? Uh, I mean, I love writing code too. So I I do a lot of um, coding on the side, a lot of open source work, um, mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. I'll read the documentation when I need to. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Right. I don't I don't pursue it for like a weekend read. <laughs> Listen, this is like a topic. This is a topic on Twitter. I'm not sure. Really? Yes. You don't read the doc on your weekend. Do you even code? That's the whole thing. What about you, Francois? Do you like read the doc on your weekend? No, no. Um, I have three kids. <laughs> so oh, there you go. You have a, you so have a on Friday evening. On Friday evening, they just stop me. No, this this is the end of your week. No, you're. You you belong to us. That's right. Exactly. Right. Like you stop. I get that. I get that. One hundred percent. Yeah. Like so. Sometimes I'll work on the weekend. Maybe not for my data, but um, so like what I find a lot of joy in is like building products that can potentially make me money. You know, but I don't really. I see a lot of developers who just like to write code for the sake of writing code. And I think that's amazing. I think we need a lot more people like that in this world. Me, on the other hand, I would like to try to make some money from the code that I write. I mean, I, like, I'm an entrepreneur and the tool that I'm using currently is C Sharp. <laughs> you hey. know what I mean? <laughs> um, so so that's, kind of, that's kind of the way I describe myself. Um, and so, yeah. Got a series going on on Twitch, um, mainly Twitch. I mean, I also stream to YouTube and and, and X or whatever we call it now, Twitter. But yeah, thank you I for coming on Twitch. Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> I also call it Twitter too. But uh, on Wednesdays at uh, noon Eastern, 
I am on live building out an MVP and the first MVP. An MVP for everybody who doesn't know, it's not Microsoft MVP. It is a viable <laughs> product, which basically means the most basic piece of like a product that you could put out and have people use and get um, and get feedback from. So the first MVP that I'm going to, that I'm working on is uh, a product called NextConf Pro. And NextConf Pro, what do you think it is? Like, what a name? Give me, give me like, uh, yeah. I mean, conf, I assume like short for conference. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Maybe something to help conference organizers. Oh, dang! Management app for conference organizers. Because that's my favorite. That's my favorite thing as a developer advocate. Like, like my favorite thing to do is go to conferences and speak at conferences. But even more than speak at conferences, I like to like, um, you know, work a booth and just go and like interact with people and kiss babies and shake hands and all of that stuff. Uh, so. I- so, like, you know, it would be a good idea to maybe make something for um, conference organizers because, you know, I know that job. I've never organized a conference from scratch, but I've helped. And I know that job is not easy. So, and there's, there's like 25 different tools. <laughs> but, you know, close, close enough. And, um, I think like we can streamline that process a little bit. So that's what I'm building. So if you want to watch, yeah, I know, I know, I know many people. I I, I don't know for you um, in US, Brandon, but I know many people uh, in Europe who would be interested, especially because many of conference organizers are voluntary. So, so they don't have much time to spend on this uh, because they are doing this as a side project. There are community members organizing community conferences. So having tools that help them to, to streamline the process and the organization, definitely they would be interested. Yeah, so look, put me in touch because I really do want to find users. I mean, like, I'm really trying to figure out exactly how far I'm going to take it. Like, I know it's going to be good content for the building part, right? But it's like, hmm... The, the entrepreneur <laughs> in me is like, could this actually be something that I really, really promote? But I'm, and I'm thinking so, thinking so. So, you know, if anybody out there in the interwebs or in the, in the ether is listening and is like, hey, I'm a conference organizer. Hey, I need tools to help me do my thing. Like, hit your girl up because in 90 days, well, 83 days from now, I'm currently copying an MVP of NextConf Pro. Love it. Tell us, uh, so you mentioned you're doing it all in C Sharp. Um, Tell us more about the technologies you're using. Sure. So, um, full.net stack. I mean, I'm using SQL Server for uh, my my database. Um, Using ASP.NET for the ASP.NET core for framework right exactly for all my apis and all that jazz right um and then i'm using mvc for my front end and like all of that jazz 
and uh, I plan on um, I plan on using microservices to kind of yeah. you know, I'm really playing with microservices. I really feel like one of the thoughts that I, that I wanted to do with C track was using microservice architecture, but we didn't. We ended up going a little bit more monolithic. And we did decouple the front and the back end, which is cool, but um, I want to do real microservices this time. So um, using all of that, like yeah. all, all of the whole microservices architecture, and I'm, I'm digging all the way deep into it. And honestly, I'm really not sure exactly how it's going to go. I'm kind of like go like reading and learning as I go, which is one of the things that, you know, most of us entrepreneurs do. And that kind of like the the target for, for my content here is like, hey, so cool. You know a lot about this. Let's work through it together, right? Because, you know, there's a lot to learn out here. And that's the way that I learn. Like I learn through doing and most, most developers do. Um, and let's get this, you know, let's get this thing on the road. Mm. Absolutely. I love that. That's I'm a very similar style. Um, you know, I can I can sit in a conference talk, I can watch a video on how to do something, but yeah, I always feel like until I actually do it, until I get hands-on and um, you know, try to use the APIs and figure out the pain points and uh kind of get my hands dirty with it. I don't I don't feel like I actually know it. So right. there's like yeah, like the other day, somebody asked me about um, gRPC, and I was like, "Hey, well, you know, I've read about it and I'm familiar with it." I was like, "But I've never used it, so I don't know if I'm the best person to help you with this because you've used it about as much as I have." <laughs> and so, right. um, and yeah, until I get really hands-on with it, I don't feel like I'm actually knowledgeable on a on a topic. So, oh, sure. I love that. Yep. Um- I'll probably end up using Razor Pages um, because, you know, that just is easy for me to do. I probably won't end up, like, doing, like, much, you know, the JavaScript uh, flavors. Like, I I probably won't do that. I'll probably just keep it simple. One thing that I would love to have, probably not in this 90-day situation, but eventually, if I do continue down this road, is, like, some type of companion mobile app. and maybe go dot That's my specialty. Yo, really? Oh, maybe yeah. we can drink some beer. I've never <laughs> used it ever at all. Oh, no way. <laughs> like, uh, maybe we uh, could like do a co-stream or something like that. And you can kind of like see what I have. And you'd be like, oh my God, that's a terrible code. Like, for sure. You should do that's, it. <laughs> I, I used to work at Xamarin way back in the day, which... Microsoft acquired Xamarin and then mm-hmm. Xamarin Technology became, they basically just rebranded it as .NET Maui. So mm-hmm. I go way back. Yeah, I've got a couple apps in the App Store um, built on all in C Sharp. Yeah. And I'm actually working on a, a course right now. So in a month or so, there will be a .NET Maui course available to everybody. Oh, and yeah, there you go. I'll take that. Yeah, it's... It's been killing me lately, though. I got to get it done by the end of the month, and I've just been grinding out <laughs> all my nights and weekends working on it. So, well, 
<laughs> yeah. Are you really happy, happy, happy to? Um, if if you know Nick Chapsis, he has a website called DomeTrain.com. Yep. And so we have actually a lot of great AWS content on DomeTrain.com. And there's actually a free AWS course. And then one of our colleagues, uh, James Easton, made one on AWS Lambda, so serverless uh, microservices. And then, and, and yeah, so I'll be publishing one focusing on .NET MAUI, so making mobile apps in C Sharp. You know, that's awesome. One day I want to play with serverless IRL because, like, I've kind of gone through, um, like, with the whole AWS Lambda and, you know, I've, I've, I've gone through the uh, theory of it, right? I've never done it in practice, but I think it is um, something that is very freaking cool. That was one of the things we, we thought about when writing C-Tracks. We were like, should we do this serverless? That was like years <laughs> ago when it was pretty new. And it was like, uh, actually, I'm not, I'm not, like I can, I can like hack some stuff together, but honestly, like this is like out of my depth. This is really out of, <laughs> out of my depth. So that's probably one of those things I kind of want to like tinker with before I get started. Oh yeah. But yeah and actually so, that's, that's what I thought you were talking about when you mentioned you're doing microservices. Because to me, when I think microservices, I think serverless, they go hand in hand together. So great opportunity for you. <laughs> now, like, I'm trying to do this all in 90 days, y'all. So, like, I mean, I <laughs> Like a minimum viable product. Minimum viable product. <laughs> but I wonder if there's like a way to um to um you know like re what am I looking for? What's the word I'm looking for? Um basically go back and do it. Like if it's a, if I can just go back and easily go serverless after already creating like my uh my my microservices architecture that I've that I have in my head. There are yeah. there, there are some options. Um uh even so you, you for example many people don't know that you can run a, a full ISB.net um web API on the LRS Lambda for example. So you don't have to change your code. You you just run uh, ASP.NET Web API on AWS Lambda. So you you get the benefit of having uh, AWS Lambda uh, go to zero when you have no traffic and um, start up uh, when when you have some requests. Uh, there are some caveats. If your if your ASP.NET Web API is too large, too big, you may um, encounter some uh, cold start. But we have many way to solve this issue, especially with .NET 8 and native AOT, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so w- we can do this, or you can even do s- containerize your web, applic- your web API or your MVC and run serverless container on AWS. So you, you can even do, do this and still get the benefit of running serverless um, microservices and still get be with your um, uh, well-known ASP.NET Web API. Yeah. Uh, interesting. I'm going to have to try that. I'm going to actually have to try that because I want to, like, dig deep into serverless, but, like, well, not deep, 
I want to like dip my toe in. I want to- <laughs> <laughs> it's I love it. I mean, I'm I'm very biased because um, you know, as a as a mobile developer, yes, I use the cloud, but I would never call myself a, a backend expert. Uh, certainly not compared to folks that do it full time. But yeah, with serverless, you know, I can easily spin up an API. Um, I can uh, basically build a whole backend for my app in the cloud. And I, I love it because like Francois mentioned, it, it becomes super cheap because when nobody's using your service, then um, serverless spins all the way down to zero. And so you basically only get billed for the time consumed. And mm-hmm. the apps I have in the app store are free. So I don't make any money off them, never have. Uh, and so I definitely gravitate towards the cheapest option, <laughs> which sure. is always serverless. But, um, but yeah, there are things to keep in mind, like cold start times, because if if your API is not running, I mean, yes, you're saving money, but then that means the next person who hits the API in the background, AWS is going to quickly spin up your services. So they've got to quickly allocate a CPU and some memory and run your code, which has gotten a lot better over the years. It used to take in the magnet or in the order of three to five seconds. Nowadays, it's more like three to 500 milliseconds. So it's oh, wow. not that painful anymore. And like Francois mentioned with um, ahead of time compiling uh, native AOT, it's even faster. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's my favorite. So <laughs> we, now I have a question. When you think about like, you all have heard about the new and uh, seemingly amazing .NET Aspire. So tell me, can you use, like, it seems to me when I think about a fire that it would take the place of something like AWS Lambda. Does it? Does it not? Did it play well together? How? Um, for now, I, I, I didn't uh, dig uh, um, much into .NET Aspire, but I've seen um, uh, some community contributions where they were implementing some AWS support or just early AWS support. So uh, from my understanding of how .NET Aspire uh, uh, works, you, you decouple uh, your code from the mm-hmm. underlying infrastructure so which services you will use is some configuration basically and if there is no support uh no implementation for the service you target it won't work oh, so okay. uh, so i've seen some community contribution uh right now to bring some AWS uh support for some AWS services uh but it's it's very early yeah, it is. It's very early. And I just want I would like to see, I think it's really cool. You know, I would like to play with it. Um, I have to see if like it could work some type of way in what I'm building. But I'm just like, well, how does it work with, you know, like the different, with AWS? How does it work? Like, I don't even know. If, <laughs> I don't even know if, like, I'm not even saying, I said Lambda, but I might not even, that might be totally wrong. But like, I want to know how it plays with, you know, 
Yeah, but I, I had many discussions with .NET lovers inside AWS um, after the, the launch of .NET Aspire, and many of us were like, "Oh my God, that's so cool! We we need to do something to for 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 for, uh, for this." So I don't know where it will go. I don't know. I can, there is no no commitment here, nothing. But right. <laughs> we were like, "That's that's a very good idea." It's, it was my mind like, "Okay, let, let's let's abstract." Uh, the microservice from the infrastructure, and so that de developers .NET developers can build their stuff and just configure where they want to run the, their stuff. That, that was really uh, uh, it has generated a lot of conversation. Oh sure, I'm sure it has. It has generated a lot of conversation around the whole .NET community. I mean, honestly, <laughs> it has. Yeah. It seems like what really the newest thing that. We've got going right, and whenever there's new stuff, there is a lot of um, attention. So oh, I yeah. think it's cool to like, you know, to learn more about and kind of see where it fits. Because I, from what I've seen, like I really can't tell how um, how it fits. Like, what are the Take the place of is it Kubernetes? Like, what does it take the place of? Ah, sure. Well, so ironically enough, I was just cruising um, the .NET Aspire FAQ um, yeah. while we we're chatting about it, uh, and yeah, because my understanding, um, Aspire is basically kind of a, a like thin layer, thin wrapper that just kind of makes it easy to use multiple services because. Nowadays, when you publish to the cloud, uh, you're going to have multiple different things. Like even uh, Guy, you mentioned, you know, you're going to have your your ASP.NET Core front end, your ASP.NET Core back end. You're going to have a SQL Server, and they all need to communicate to each other. Um, so, what if you could do that all in one place? Mm -hmm. um, to me, that's kind of, or I think that's the goal of Aspire, <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, if you go to the FAQ, it says, uh, it's all, what's the difference between .NET Aspire and Microsoft or Leans? What's the difference between .NET Aspire and Dapper? What's the difference between .NET Aspire and Project Ty? So it looks like there's been, yeah, I wouldn't ever call myself an expert on Orleans, Dapper, or Ty, but again, familiar with them, heard of them, and they all kind of had the same goal in mind, like making it easier to write .NET apps for the cloud. And so, well, We'll see. Yeah, I think Aspire is definitely the one with uh, the most hype, and hopefully, it can gain traction. Because I remember when when I used to work at Microsoft, um, a lot of times what Microsoft engineering teams would do would be to release something, label it like preview or experimental, and see like, well, let's see what the community thinks, and let's see if this gains traction. And that's literally how Blazor came about. Was Steve Sanderson was like. Look at this cool project I made. And I was like, what? Oh, you can do that? Like, I love this. And then uh, it just got so much traction in the community and people wanted more. And next thing you know, he's now leading this new product called <laughs> Blazor. So uh, yeah, well, we'll see where Aspire goes. And like Francois said, our, our engineers at AWS have actually spun up conversations with the engineers at Microsoft about um to see you know what's their plans and can we contribute and can we add uh, aws support 
um, just to you know make make life easier for .NET developers. Yeah, that's really what it's all about, right? That's really what it's all about. Let's make life easier for .NET developers. And speaking of which, um, ooh. It really kind of brought me to something. I've got this workshop that I'm working on, and that's kind of like my 98 MVP series and using like microservices and all of that stuff. That is a buildup of um, content and also the demo that I'm going to be using for my workshop that I'm giving at VS Live um, in March in Vegas. And yeah, so it's going to be... Securing microservices um, with advanced identity techniques will go into a lot of um, a lot of different things. Like we'll talk about what microservices are. We'll talk about like you know I'll I'll make this uh, my code publicly available so that way we can like use it to um, to um, you know play with. But also like we'll talk about like how utilizing um, different identity techniques to allow microservices to basically co-authenticate makes for a much more secure experience. So if you want to hang out with me in Las Vegas and learn about identity in microservices, you can use this code that's on the on the screen here and register for five hundred dollars off. Ooh, I was gonna say I see discount code equals <laughs> I was like, did we just sneak in a discount code for VS Live? <laughs> uh, yeah, five hundred dollars off of your registration. And it's gonna be Heck yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be really cool. Um and you'll get to, you know, actually play with that I, uh, the, excuse me, I was going to, I'll just say that MVC, but the 90 day MVP uh, NextConf Pro code that, I, that I'll be writing. Um, and I think it'll be a good time. It'll be an eight hour workshop. It's my first workshop, so I'm really excited about it. Um, and I'm just really looking forward to like working with people that are interested in identity and microservices. Cause I think that that's one of the reasons why folks kind of shy away from microservices. Now, when you think about like going serverless, I think it's a totally different aspect of the game. Right. But um, when you do like, you know, web APIs, um, you are just like microservices in a way that are not serverless. because i'm not like that's out of my depth but like there's there's a different level of security um as far as like you know authentication and authorization and there's like different things to think about so we'll go into them and we'll like kind of deep dive and, and and see how those things go also like shameless plug we're going to so we're gonna do some built-in, um, we're going to use some built-in .NET identity techniques, but we'll also go into um, some third-party identity providers and how like, third-party identity providers, shameless plug off zero, will do <laughs> this, these things uh, and, and, and 
handling things for us with a low lift. Yeah, there, there is no shit. Uh, there is no respect <laughs> for how there are. I've worked. Uh, b before being uh, the Rupert Advocate, uh, I was solution architect at LRES and I've worked with many LRES customers and they were using whole zero and they were having great time with whole zero. So no shameless play, um, <laughs> widely used solution. And I've seen it in action many times and uh, it was always a, a great experience. So no yeah. shameless no shameless plug here. Definitely it was. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to hear that. And honestly, I, I prefer to outsource identity. I prefer that because I'm not an identity expert. I, the, the thing that I prefer to work on is my business logic. And, you know, <laughs> like yeah. there's different ways to do this. There's multiple ways to skin a cat, right? But <laughs> when you're thinking about like folks, you know, gaining access to your application and the fact that like most people, most hackers aren't like breaking into your application, they're just logging in. Um, you really have to think about like how important, you know, authentication and authorization is in the overall security posture of your application. So I like to outsource that whenever possible. And my choice is Auth0. So. Yeah, uh, I can see that. Um, in Europe, with GDPR, um, we companies have a high pressure on protecting uh, the data of their customer, and it, it can, it's always my my advice. Like, are you sure in twenty? Uh, so now in twenty twenty four, you you want to handle password and authentication by yourself. No, you shouldn't do this. You should you should <laughs> leave this to experts, because if you get into trouble, you you will be able to have support of deep expert on this topic. Yeah, uh, they will help you. You 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 won't have. You you are not equipped to handle this by yourself. You you don't have the expert <laughs> to to protect your customer from hackers. And no, definitely not. Exactly. Like oh, listen, I don't even care if you read all the documentation on the weekend. You can be all of the guys. You can be the best developer ever. Okay. You can like get off of work and write code after work, like all the time, all of the days of the week. You can say, you can say, like, I don't care, kids. You don't have to eat. I'm writing code. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but you still don't want to have to be the one that's responsible for securing your application, like from a from an identity perspective. You just do not. So nope. I'm with you 100%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of my rules of thumb is you don't want to be writing the code to handle that because no matter, like you said, no matter how smart you 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 might be, like there's excuse me, there's always there's so much liability there. And when you hear about things like like oh, uh, Target got hacked and all this data was stolen, well that's now your problem. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you're going to have this huge business impact that might cost millions of dollars, even if the business, if the business even survives. Um, and yeah, especially with the privacy laws now, nowadays that we have like Francois GDPR and, um, I forget the one California data privacy act. Mm -hmm. 
this yeah something like that it's like the big one in the u.s but yeah you don't want that liability and there's always going to be somebody smarter out there so yeah leave it to the experts don't <laughs> don't try to roll your own authentication yeah i i 100 agree with that i mean and like as a startup founder i mean because that's, that's huge that could take a startup off the map easy easy mm-hmm. I, i've seen it happen i've seen it happen with some startups where it's like Oh, I don't even know if they chose to maybe write their own auth or where it might have been inside. Now. Who knows? But I know <laughs> I've seen a startup in my industry that got hacked and you never heard of that startup again. And I'm not going to name names, obviously, because, but either way, it's like, yeah, you want to, you want to make sure that's locked down because when you are especially getting started in this industry, you think nobody really cares to like hack me no people will people will <laughs> and you need to make sure that you are locked down so definitely so so guy i'd like to go way back um because you have such an interesting amazing story that i'd love to learn more about uh because we always love to ask people um you know how'd you get into dot net and you might have the coolest story ever so Kaya, how, how'd you get into .NET? Well, I do have a pretty interesting story about that. So I was in the Navy, and um, I was in the Navy and decided to go to school, right, um, online. And I wanted to, I knew that I wanted to get into software engineering or software development. Um, so I started a computer science course. And or a computer science program, and I could go um, .NET or Java. And I was in Afghanistan at this time, by the way. Like, <laughs> like, and so I'm going through this program, and they're like, "Okay, you can go .NET or you can go Java." And I remember reading this um, this article, and I cannot, for the life of me, find this article again. But I will say, and you guys can tell me if I'm wrong and or if this article was wrong. This article said, if you want to always have a job, learn C Sharp and like the .NET framework. And so at the time, it was, I, I it was BB that I was, was they were offering for Java. And I mean, I was like, okay, well, this sounds like it's going in the right direction. I'm going to go BB that day. And I'm sure, I'm not saying there are no jobs for Java folks. I'm, I'm sure there are also jobs for Java folks. But, I'm, but, but, <laughs> but to be like semi-factual. And, and so, um, like I'm going through this program and, and learning um, and kind of, you know, getting my feet wet with BB.net. And also we had like this, SQL database that we used um, to what I did in Afghanistan, like my my actual job there was technical support operator. So we flew on planes and, um, you know, like did missions and things and like helped people on the ground. Um, and we use a SQL database to um, like manage our flight data. And so, I mean, there were people whose 
I told you people whose job it took like well, a while back. Don't even get me to start talking about how long it was. But <laughs> was somebody's job to maintain the database, but somehow I ended up getting to like learn yeah. how to. It's, learn. It's your job now. <laughs> also, you're doing this now. Also, like let's figure out this database thing. Like help because you know we need help, and then it turned out to be a SQL database. And so, turns out that I was like learning, like a very small amount of Transact SQL, right, in my course. So I was able to do queries and things like that. And, like, tinker my way. This is when I was a tinkerer. This is back when I was, like, more of a tinkerer. I had time. I was in Afghanistan, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, so, so like, you know, uh, I was able to, like, kind of, you know, get some data from this database without having to ask the people whose job it was. And that kind of became my job, my like ancillary duties to like query this database for, for um, you know, flight data that we need that we don't want to have to like have like a two or three day turnaround timeline for the folks whose job this is. And that was like those two type of those two situations were like um, my, my nudge into .NET. And um, I really wanted to do to, to be successful at this because I thought like after I came back, so I was out there for nine months, came back, and I was not really sure what I wanted to do. I know I had, you know, I had completed uh, a few courses in my program. And I wasn't really sure, but I, then I saw people that I was deployed with before getting redeployed. And I'm like, oh no. Um, I, I mean, they were, they were volunteering. It was a volunteer type situation, right? Like it was basically a lot of people that really didn't have a lot of other options. Mm. They were like, hey, let's, let me just go back. And I was like, no, I need to figure out, I need to figure this out. I need to get a job. And I'm like, prior to them sending a back of huge group from my unit, which I would have possibly volunteer for had I not found my first job. I did. I found that first that job. I was like a contract manufacturing company and I was like the junior .NET developer and we were, we were using BB.net and we were using, I don't even know, like it was something it was very something very antiquated. I think you might have been actually using like something like Access or something like that. It was Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Access database. <laughs> Access databases. But either way, it didn't matter. <laughs> like, it kept me from going back to Afghanistan, and I am grateful for it. All right? <laughs> um, so that was, like, my origin story. And then after that, like, after that, I was, so I was a junior de- developer there. Um, and, oh, actually, it was called something else. It was called, like, Programmer analyst, that's what it was called. And I was, and um, I had a senior, but the senior quit maybe four months after. So I kind of had to uh, learn on the fly with Google and Stack Overflow and all of that stuff. It was, it was a nightmare. (laughs) It worked. I mean, then we ended up getting acquired and I ended up getting laid off, which was okay. But then I ended up getting my first real 
.NET developer job after that. So and, and that's that prepared me for that. Like I think in that one role, we ended up um, rolling out. What is the the uh, CM? Not the CMS. The um, there is Microsoft Dynamics CRM. Oh, okay, yeah. That's yeah, what yeah. we did. We we ended up rolling out Microsoft Dynamics CRM in that in the first role, and I was the only developer, so I had to be like really hands on in that, and that really was what catapulted me into the next role, which was a, a real .NET development job. So very cool. that. Long story long, was how I got <laughs> into .NET um, It started in Afghanistan. <laughs> and ended, well, it, it hasn't ended yet. It hasn't ended yet. Not, right? I hope not. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, we, uh, so it, incredibly impressive is um, not only did you uh, basically We'll say go back to school. You're taking courses online, but you're also working full time as well. And I I hear that a lot from uh, folks I chat with about you're like, oh, that's so cool. I'd love to get into that industry, but yeah, I went to college 20 years ago for something different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what what's your advice to folks trying to who may, might think that they can't do it because time, resources, whatever it might be. Oh, you can absolutely do it. You just have to make time. Um, you have to be one of those folks who gives up your nights and weekends, unfortunately, but that's okay. It's only temporary. Um, you, you, you know, just I've seen people say, you know, just an hour a day, um, just you know, learning and writing code. I mean, I'm not. I think it could work. I think you know, if you just give up just a little bit of your time. And like work diligently at it, you'll see it happen. You'll see it happen. It doesn't have to be your full time role. You don't have to quit your day job in order to learn how to code. You can do it on the nights and weekends. And I would say find a community. Um, and I th- most of the communities that I have encountered are really open and really. Um, you know, they're they're cool to like help. <laughs> you know, really, really helpful. And honestly, I will like there are a few in the um in the ether here, like a few .NET Discord communities that are are really helpful. Um, something that I could actually like recommend. But um, while I'm looking for those, like off the top of your, do you have? Any like places? What's another thing I would like to know? Like, where do .NET developers like hang out nowadays outside of Discord? Do you guys? <laughs> so I'm laughing because we were, you know, we were talking about Twitter earlier or X, um, and kind of saying how a lot of people are leaving the platform. But was it before <laughs> before Elon took it over? Uh, Twitter. Tech Twitter was huge, and it arguably still is. Mm-hmm. It's a little quieter now for uh, <laughs> for some obvious reasons. Uh, a lot of people don't want to be there, um, and and also, you know, I'm hesitant to recommend this because I'll say, you know, back in my day, 
which really just the timeline here is just pre-pandemic uh, user groups, uh, insanely, insanely helpful. And they're starting to come back now. So I would definitely recommend looking up, um, just, just hop on Google and type in .NET user group in your city uh, and see if, see if one pops up and really just, just start showing up. Um, you'll meet folks. You'll, you'll learn about interesting things that other folks are working on and just kind of being around it all the time. Like, like you said, uh, kind of like just joining the community um, mm -hmm. is, is really, really helpful. I would, I would agree with that. Now, I, so what, one of the things I used to do pre-pandemic was go to like meetups. But I think meetups are dead now. <laughs> like, I don't see very many of them. Yeah, a lot of them did die off. And yeah, the ones that survived <laughs> are certainly still around. I've I've certainly been to a bunch of meetups uh, in the in the past year, but um, yeah, you don't get the like fifty people turnout that you used to. But if, honestly, if anything, that's probably better for the individual members because you can actually meet people. Like last time I was in Sydney, I spoke at the .NET um, user group in Sydney, mm -hmm. and yeah, it was about eight people who showed up in person. I think we had about 12 total people with some folks online. And it was great. Like I got to actually meet people, talk with them, learn their stories, share uh, about what we're working on. And you know, there's still friendships there that uh, I maintain to this day. And had it been a room full of like, had it been more like an audience style where it's just kind of me preaching to the audience instead of just kind of like it was more me just hanging out with friends, um, then it it would kind of lose that personal touch. So right. in a way, it's a good thing. <laughs> but but yeah, certainly, um, yeah, Meetup used to be just massive. There used to always be events going on, especially where I am in the Bay Area, uh, mm. the San Francisco Bay Area. But yeah, there's a silver lining there. So for anybody who's looking to get into it, you can really go meet a lot of senior passionate developers and every everybody there wants to help you <laughs> nobody's gonna be like who's this guy who's who's the new guy that doesn't know dot net no everybody's so excited to talk about what they're working on and teach you things so highly highly recommend it i agree now I'll, i agree with a lot of what you said <laughs> um the only thing i might disagree with is twitter because I feel like it's a lot of gatekeeping <laughs> that goes on on Twitter. If you don't know, yeah, if you're not like already great, and like it's really hard to to in this point in time right now to like learn on Twitter without getting called out by somebody. But I digress. If you are a person who needs a little bit more um, structure, there are some really good .NET focused. Um, boot camps out there. I, I linked one. It's called Coder Foundry. Um, I'm, I don't, I'm not affiliated with them in, in any way, but I have a friend who went through their, um, their program. And it seems like it's a pretty good uh, program. Like, and, you know, like you have all of the JavaScript, uh, you know, and, and like all of the other languages have their boot camps and folks, you know, 
you don't really see very many .NET focused ones. And I, I think this Flutter Foundry one is a really good one as well. Um, and they have different, uh, like they have like, I think self-paced and then uh, instructor-led programs that you could do. So however it works for your time. And then they have free code camp. But this is not Coder Foundry, but there's another one called Free Code Camp, which is free. And it is yep. a little bit of um, um, structure around like your learning. So, and it's also yeah, you, you have a, a new, it's quite new. You, you have a foundational C Sharp uh, certification on Free Code Camp. So, it's a good way to, to learn the basic of, of C Sharp uh, in a structured way. That's a, a, a great uh, certification. Yep. Absolutely. I love it. I love it so much. And I wish we could keep talking about this forever because it's so, so helpful. Uh, but we only have one minute left in the show. So, Kai, I really appreciate you coming and joining us today. And for the folks who want to continue the conversation and follow along with you on the interwebs, where can they find you? Yes, absolutely. I would love to connect with everyone. I'm normally on Twitter. Um, my DMs are open at Black Girl CTO everywhere. Um, and I'm also on on LinkedIn. Um, let's see. I'm, I'm actually Kaya Tolliver on LinkedIn. So you can like put that at if you want to. And yeah, but but mostly you can find me on Twitter at Black Girl CTO. I'm, open to answer any questions and connect with anyone. Lovely. Thank you again so much for joining us. Would love to have you you back on the show to see the MVP that you're working on now and uh, talk about all the amazing things you're doing again in the future. But we are getting kicked off. So thank you so much for joining us. and, And thank you for watching. We're streaming this year every other Monday. So every two weeks, we'll be back the .NET show on AWS here on the AWS Twitch channel. So don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we'll see you again in two weeks.